Hey, what's up, Church Experience Online? We're so glad that you're here with us today. We have a great service ahead. And look, I don't know what kind of week you've had behind you or what you're looking forward to in the week ahead, but here's what I can tell you. Right here at the end of one week and the beginning of another, as you put Jesus first through your worship, as we get into his word, I'm telling you, he's gonna work in your life like never before. And so we're so excited about it. That's what we're praying for. That's what we're hoping for in your life, that God does a fresh new work in your spirit. And so we're looking forward to seeing what he does as we get into worship here in a few moments. But first of all, we just wanna start out and just say, hey, thank you for connecting with us through this online service. But if you wanna take a next step, if you wanna go deeper, maybe you have a question, maybe you wanna get connected with somebody, maybe get involved in a group, maybe you wanna attend an in-person service, uh, you can go to our website, uh, backslash connect, or you can scan this QR code and I'll pop up a form you can fill out and we'll reach out to you personally and ask you how we can help. So please do that if you'd like to get connected. We always love hearing your input. We'd love to hear back from you. But with that being said, we're about to get into worship. And one thing I wanna say before we worship is I understand that you might have some big things on your mind right now. Maybe it's a big decision. Maybe it's a big problem. Maybe it's a massive need. And no matter how big the mountain ahead of you is, no matter how big it seems, I just wanna remind you that God is bigger. So as we worship him today, keep your eyes on God, not on your problems. And I guarantee you, as you worship God and as you put him first, you will see not your problems go away, now not instantly, but you will see them put in the right perspective. You'll see how big God is in comparison to what seemed like a really big problem. You see that God is even bigger. So let's put him first. Let's worship today with all of our heart. Put all the distractions away. Let's get after it. Here we go. Thank you. 
never changes, it never changes. You heard your children then, you hear your children now. You are the same God, you are the same God. You answer prayers back then, and you will answer now. You are the same God. You are the same God. You were providing then. You are providing now. You are the same God. You are the same God. You moved in power. Father God, we thank you that you never change. Let's just sit on that for a minute. In a changing world where things change day to day, you are the same God you've always been. Through all of our frailties, through all of, all of the times that we change, we raise up. We lift our hands up. We're down low. We're crying at your feet. This life is designed to bring us to our knees, so we need you. Let us never forget, you are the same God that brought us into this world. Put your angels around us, protected us kept us alive in a world full of a pandemic.
we are still here. And you are still the same God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for everything that you do in every way, the things we see and the things we don't see. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was a little kid, uh, believe it or not, I got into a lot of fights. And I got into those fights not because I was <laughs> a good fighter and not because I liked fighting, but I got into those fights because other people liked to fight me. And they liked to fight me because they could beat me up. And part of my problem was that I was short, I was skinny, and I had these, these, these wonderful glasses that today are kind of trendy, but back then they just called out the bullies to say, hey, come over here and just, and just punch me right in the face. <laughs> and, and the truth is, we had a bully in our neighborhood. I, I don't remember exactly what his name was, but we used to call him Killer. And I remember one day I was riding my bike, and I had a, I had a great bike. I had one of those Stingray bikes. It was lime green. It had a three-speed shifter on it. It had the ape hanger handlebars. It had a banana seat. It had the sissy bar. It was, it was and, and one other thing, it had a mirror. It had a mirror. And I remember I, I was riding through our neighborhood and I, I, I was headed down the street and I could see, I could see this bull, I could see Killer down the road. And I thought to myself, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to shift it right on the third and I'm just going to pedal as fast as I can and I'll, I'll, just be able to, I'll just be able to zip right on by him. And, and, I, and I, I pedaled into first and second and third and got going and I, and, I, and I headed towards him and he stepped out in front of me and literally grabbed my bicycle and stopped it. Stopped it right where I was. And then he began to kind of tease me and pester me, and then he saw, he saw my mirror. And he came around to the side of the bike where the mirror was on the handlebars, and he, he got his face really, really close to it, and then he spit on my mirror. Now, I can take a lot of things, but I couldn't take that. And so while he had his face still by the handlebars, I reached up, and I just yanked the handlebars as hard as I could, and I, I busted him. I was so proud of myself. Now, I don't remember much else about that day, or actually the next couple days. I do remember waking up in a lot of pain because he beat me up. He beat me up. Now, I, I, want, you to, I want you to know something. The, the, the fighting that happened in my life as a kid and, and the fighting that happened with, with Killer, that, that wasn't the beginning of fighting. In fact, fighting goes all the way back all the way back to the beginning, literally the beginning, beginning of time. In fact, if we look through the Bible, we're going to find that there's a lot of conversation, a lot of ink on this subject of, of fighting, on battles, on wars. In fact, 188 times we'll find the phrase or, or word fight or fights. 215 we'll find battle or battles. 399 we'll actually find the word war or, or wars. That's a lot. 
That's a lot. And, and if you take your Bible and you open it up to the middle, you'll, you'll find a book called Ecclesiastes. And Ecclesiastes tells us to everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. And then when we get to verse 8, Solomon says this. He says, there's a time to love and a time to hate. And there's a time for war and a time for peace. In other words, what we can kind of figure out from me, the, the scripture implies here is that there are times to fight and there, there are things that are worth fighting for. In other words, there are fights that need fought. And so I, I want to I talk to you about something really, really interesting because one of the fights out of all those 800 and some fights that are listed in the Bible is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 24 through 27. I want to encourage you to take your Bibles, turn on your Bibles, turn in your Bibles, to this very, very interesting passage of Scripture. Now, this is written by the Apostle Paul. And, and Paul wrote 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament, letters to churches and letters to pastors to encourage them and help them to understand what it meant to live for Christ, to be in Christ, to be empowered by Christ. And so he wrote these letters. But one of the, one of the things that's really interesting about this particular passage is he begins to let us in on something that really, really is important. He begins to let us in on, on a fight, a fight that he thinks really, really, really has to happen. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to... Get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for. The prize. In other words, what he's saying is there is a battle that needs to take place, a fight that needs to take place, not between us and other people, but between me and me. Me and me. He says our default self, basically in this scripture, our default self is always going to bully our desired self. Who we are, the family we grew up in, how we're wired, our personality, the, the default version of ourselves is always going to bully the desired self that we have, the desired self that God wants for us, the desired self that we want for us. And I think we're going to find some things in this passage of Scripture that are going to help us. I love what Andy Stanley says as he acknowledges the fact that he needs some help. He needs to get control of him. He says, the common denominator of all of my bad decisions is me. I, I, can't blame, I can't blame everybody for all my bad decisions because in every decision that I made, no matter who was around, no matter who might have impacted, I'm still the one that made that decision. So as we begin to, to have that battle, me versus me, think about some of the things that we need to fight. We need to battle some bad beliefs. We need to fight some fear. We need to hit some unhealthy habits. We need to sock it to sin. We need to punch some persistent problems. Enough with the alliteration, right? But, but the point is there are things that are going on in our lives that we need to get control of, and we need to get control of them in a violent way, Paul says. We need to, we need to get control of them. This isn't about self-harm. It's not about self-hurt. It's definitely not about self-hate. It truly is about self-help, about self-help. I want to look at this phrase and use this as the title for this talk. And the title is very simple. It's Beat Yourself Up. 
beat yourself up. Now, I, I, I know that we use that term sometimes, and we don't mean to beat ourselves up in the sense of getting to a better place, because really, when you think about going up, that, that should mean that things are, things are getting better, right? Growing up, going up, our, our money's going up, our investments are going So when we use that, but we use two terms that are kind of interchangeably, and, and the other one is beat yourself down. And so I want to kind of reclaim and recycle this beat yourself up to, to, to use it to, to frame some of the things that I want to share with you about about how we can be better people, about what Paul is teaching us in, in order to have a fight with ourselves in such a way that we get control of the things that are, that are bringing us down, that are putting us down, that are knocking us down. And so as we look at this today, the title is Beat Yourself Up. Do the things that you need to do to get up, to get to a better place. Coach John Wooden was coach for the UCLA um, basketball team for many, many years and was celebrated really as one of the greatest coaches of all time for the basketball team there. One of the things that was interesting about him is when he would bring the players in at the beginning of the season, he would take them into the locker room and, and he would take his shoes and socks off and he'd say, guys, I want to I w- I teach you something. I want to show you something. And then he would put his sock on and very carefully pull it tight and make sure it was flat and there were no creases, there were no crinkles. And then he would put his shoe on and he would say, hey, look how tight my shoe fits. And if your shoe has more than a thumbnail's gap between your toes and the front, you need to get some new shoes. And of course, these amazing, phenomenal, record-breaking athletes were sitting there looking at him like, you got to be kidding me, coach. You're teaching us to put our socks and our shoes. We, We got that down. And he realized that if the socks didn't go on right, if they went on to where they would cause blisters, if the shoes didn't fit, there would be stumbling, there would be tripping, there would be sliding on the court, and the championship, the wins would would go away. And so early on, he began to teach his team, look, it's not it's not about the big things, it's about the basic things. And so as we, as we think about this idea of beating ourselves up, I, I, I want to kind of frame this idea into three basics to beat yourself up. As Paul said, to get control of our lives, get control of our bodies so that we can win the prize. So let's take a look at this scripture and see what it has to teach us about some of the basic things. Number one, first thing that I see in this passage is that, is that the reason that we do this, the reason that we do battle, the reason that we're me versus me is for the prize is for the prize. Look what Paul says, and we're going to start at the last verse and kind of work our way up. I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the the prize. It's interesting because Andy Stanley says that great leaders last because they lead themselves first. And what Paul is saying is, look, I've been busy helping other people. I've been busy training other people. I've been busy teaching other people about what it means to live for God. And and yet I catch myself at times forgetting and neglecting the battles that I need to have in my life. And I, man, I don't want to help everybody else and lose, lose a battle myself. Verse 27, disqualified for the prize. Everyone who competes in the games uses goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that lasts forever. In the Greek games, when they would win, they would give them a crown of a, a, a wreath of, of greenery. And over time, that greenery, greenery would die and it would fall apart and it, and it just wouldn't last. And that's what Paul's talking about. We don't, we don't do the things that we ought to do for something that doesn't last. We do it for things that will last forever, for a crown that will last forever. 
Now, what's interesting about this, and we won't take time to do this, but I just want to let you know there's some information if you're curious about it. There are actually five crowns that the Bible talks about. And if you're interested in finding out a little bit more about that, you can go to the website, philllewis.org slash fight. And there'll be there's some other resources that'll be connected with this talk as well there uh, that I'll tell you about as we go on. But if you're curious about that, learning a little bit more about the crown, we won't spend a lot of time there, uh, but I just want you to know that's available if you'd like to know a little bit more. The idea here, the idea is starting with the end in mind. Starting with the end in mind. Knowing where you want to go helps you to, to do the things to get you there. This idea of what you see is what you get, and what your vision is is what's going to drive your behavior and moving towards the things that really, really matter. He talked about this prize, and it really is an eternal prize. It's not about getting to heaven. That's not the issue here. He's not running a race so that he can get to heaven. He's already got that sealed. That's done. That's taken care of. It's not about getting. It's about who gets to heaven, who gets to go to heaven with us, and what we get in heaven. Again, five crowns that the Bible tells about. So, so I want to make sure that we understand this. And so one of the things as it's connected to this prize is this idea, is that what, what, is it that, what is it that we need to pursue? And I would just say we need to pursue the best you, okay? <laughs> we, need, we need to figure out what, what is it that God wants in my life? What is the vision for my life that he has? And can I align myself with behaviors and habits in order to get there? One of the social influencers that I listen to, his name is Ed Milet, and he says some really, really interesting things. And one of the things that he says, it's not, it's not a biblical concept, but it is kind of an interesting concept to help you to understand maybe a little bit more about what God is looking for. But he says, he says you know, when I get to heaven, when I get to heaven, I wonder, I wonder if when I come in to meet Peter and I go to see Jesus, I wonder if, if Jesus will say, hey, I have somebody here I want you to meet. And he, and he, brings, out, he brings out the version of Ed Milet that he wants me, or he wanted me to live as. He brings him out, and, and he said, what I want to happen is when I see the Ed Milet that God had in mind, I want it to be like looking in a mirror. I don't want to have missed what God wanted for me by doing what I wanted for me, and miss the opportunity to be, do, and experience the things that God had in store for me. I want to be the best me there is. And we know that Scripture tells us that at the end, that we'll stand before the Lord and we're listening, for this, we're listening for this statement, right? Well done, good and faithful servant. And the only way that we can do that is by getting control of the things in our lives so that we can live according to His plan and His purpose and that we can align ourselves with the, the version of us that God has in mind for living and loving and serving. We want Him to say, well done. We don't want Him to say, well, <laughs> you're done. We don't want that. We don't want that. So Paul is trying to help us to understand we've got to beat ourselves up, get to better places in our thinking and our living and everything else. And so keep that in mind. And the reason that we do this, again, is for the prize. The reason we do this is for the prize. In other words, start with the finish. Whenever I run, I would call myself a runner. I love to compete in races and 5Ks and 10Ks and half marathons. And whenever I start a race, first thing that I do is I go to the finish line and I just look at it and I picture it in my mind and, and I, I want to encourage you when, when you need to make some big changes in your life, you need to think about where you're going and it will help you to make those changes where you are. Start with the finish. The other thing would be is that we need to start and stay fast. Start and stay fast. And that's really played out in this second thing that I want to say is that running is the pace. 
When, when Paul is telling us about this and helping us to have these basic understandings of what it means to beat yourself up, right? The, the reason we do that is the prize. The, the pace at which we, the urgency that we do that is, is by running. Let's, let's take a look at this verse. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? So run in such a way as to get the prize. All the runners run, run in such a way as to get the prize. This was a couple weeks ago. I got an opportunity to run the Skyway 10K. I've been trying to do that for years. It just hadn't worked out. I finally got on the list, finally got on the road, was able to do it. I'm about 100 people, if you could see, I'm about 100 people from the front, from the start. And there approximately are about 6,700 people behind me that are in that race as well. Now, here's, here's what's interesting. It was a beautiful morning, and you see the skyway over here. Uh, we're, we're starting right here, and we're going to run around, go up the skyway, and go down the skyway. It was, it was a beautiful, beautiful run. But what was interesting to me is I would consider myself a pretty fast runner, but I came in like 300 and some out of 7,000 people. Now, I, I, I don't think that's too bad. But I want you to know something. All of the people that were in that race that day were not runners. Not at all. And I think that's why I did so well. Because most of them just wanted, just wanted to be able to, maybe the bragging rights to say, hey, I, I ran across or I walked across the Skyway Bridge. And what Paul is saying is, look, it, it, that's fine for a 10K, that's fine for the Skyway run, but when it comes to pursuing the things that God wants for us, you got to be a runner. And I found in my life that even though I'm a runner, there are times that I, I wish and I wait and I walk. I'm not as intentional about pursuing the things that I know God wants in my life as I should be. I'm not as quick. And Paul says, look, the pace, the pace for the race is running. And I would just ask you today, is there, is there an area in your life that you know that you've slowed down on or maybe you've never ever picked it up? And you know that a relationship, husband, wife, son, daughter, co-worker, whatever it may be, you know that things are falling apart, not because they can't be fixed, but because you're too slow. You're waiting and walking. When the scripture says, look, you, to get this right, not only do you have to keep the prize in your mind, but the pace is running. The pace is running. I love speaking at church experience. It's a great honor to be able to serve here and serve with Brandon and Jen and the whole team. And it really is something I enjoy so much. And really, anytime I get a chance to speak at churches and give pastors a break, as well as kind of add another voice to some of the things that God is teaching and, and people are learning about, I, I, I really I count it a privilege. There's a church in Tennessee that I get a chance to travel to maybe three, four, five times a year and speak up there. And when I, when I go up there, it's, it's in Sevierville, Tennessee, and so I fly into Knoxville. So I fly out of Tampa, lay over in Charlotte, end up in Knoxville, Tennessee. And by the way, one of the reasons I love going to that church is because in Knoxville, Tennessee, there's heaven, okay? There's heaven. There's a Cinnabon <clears throat> right next to a Starbucks, two of my very favorite places in the whole wide world. So every time I come through the Knoxville airport... I try to plan it so it's a good time to get a Cinnabon and it's a good time to get a Starbucks. But what's, what's really interesting about that trip and getting to Knoxville and, and more importantly getting back home to where I belong, where I live, where my family is, where I love, is that when I leave Knoxville and I fly back to Charlotte, when I land in Charlotte, 
I only have a few minutes to get on the next plane. I learned this. I've done this several times now, and I finally got it figured out because the first time it happened, I thought, well, I got, I got, I got plenty of time to get, to get to my next plane. And so I got off the, the plane coming from Knoxville, and I'm kind of sauntering through the airport looking at different things, stopped and got a magazine. And, 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 then, I, and then as I got closer to the gate, I could, hear, I could hear them giving the final call. And we're getting ready to close the door to, to my flight. And I, and I had to take off running, and I almost missed my flight. But now I don't do that. As soon as the plane lands, as soon as the plane lands in Charlotte, I grab my bag and I run, literally run through the airport because I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss getting home. And, and I want to say to you, what, what is it going to, what is it going to take for, for you? What is it going to take in, 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 in your life to, to motivate you to, to kind of pick up the pace, to, to kind of run a little faster? Run a little harder. Be a little more intentional about the relationships that you have, not only with other people, but with yourself. Because we're talking about getting serious about beating yourself, beating yourself up. Hebrews 12 is a wonderful passage of Scripture that tells us to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and to run with perseverance. Again, another passage. We don't know if Paul actually wrote Hebrews. There's still a little controversy over that, whether Paul wrote it or maybe Barnabas wrote it or Apollos wrote it or Luke. But we know somebody might have been connected with Paul if he didn't write it because it has a little feel. It has a little... It looks a little bit like him. And especially when we get to passages like this, we don't know if Paul was an athlete or he was just a fan of sports, but he talks a lot, especially about running. And he tells us again, he encourages us again, he reminds us, the Hebrews writer reminds us again that running is the pace. Running is the pace. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Third thing. Third thing is the basics to beating yourself up is Get a training plan. Get a training plan. Look what Scripture says. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict trying. <laughs> strict trying. No, that's not what the Scripture says. It, goes, it, it says everybody who competes in the games goes into strict training. And there's a really, really big difference between training and trying. I just want you to know that. I want you to be aware of that and, and, and maybe help you to understand that. Even Timothy, this letter that he wrote to this pastor to encourage him, Paul's writing to him, and he says, hey, you know, don't try to be godly. Don't hope to be godly. Don't wish you were godly. Train to be godly. In, in other words, there are some certain, certain things that you need to do. Craig Rochelle says, doing what I can do today enables me to do even more tomorrow. That's what training is. That's what training is. It's a, it's a layering upon layering of doing something right yesterday, doing something right today, doing something right tomorrow, and allowing that to make us the people we need to be. Just to give some clarification, kind of a little contrast of, of what training and trying is about. Uh, training is, is work power while trying is willpower. And willpower will work for a while. But on days that you don't have willpower, on days that you're tired, on days that you don't feel good, on days that it doesn't fit into your schedule, it, it's not going to work. And so you need work power. You need, to be, you need to be willing to do the work no matter how you feel. It's also intentional versus hopeful. Hope is not a strategy. Hope is good, it's important, it's necessary, but it, but it won't help you to move, it won't help you to move forward. So be intentional about your training. Consistency versus sporadicity. 
I know it's not a word. I'm just, just stay with me. I had to put that in there so it would be at least a C that would rhyme. It's just ADD thing. Sorry about that. Consistency, it's about doing the right thing over and over. It compounds in our lives. It means that we're doing it today and tomorrow. And the next. Being sporadic about things says, hey, I'm going to go to the gym this week. And I'm probably not going to go back till next month, maybe even be a couple months. It's not going to impact. It's not going to help you at all. Training versus trying. Specific versus general. Here are the specific things that I'm doing compared to, well, I'm going to try some of this. I'm going to try some of that. I don't know if this will work. I don't know if that will work. And being very general. And then finally, the difference between training and trying is really success and failure. Success and failure. 1 Corinthians. In the New Living Translation says this. All athletes, other translations say competitors, uses different words to talk about who those people are in the race. But I love the New Living Translation because it actually gives an identity. All athletes are disciplined, are disciplined in their training. What, what, what does it matter that, that it says athletes? Well, because I, I think one of the things that will help us is, is when we really identify who we are. I'll tell you the reason why. When you identify as an athlete, then you have identity-based training. As a runner, there are certain stretches, there are certain exercises, there are certain routines that I do. As a cyclist, there are certain exercises. You get the point, right? As a swimmer, as a basketball, as a football player, whatever the, whatever the athlete is, there's a list of things that they do. And it's identity-based. I don't need to do the things that some people do. They don't need to do some of the things that I do. But as an athlete, I need, so let's think about this as it relates to a Christian. As it relates to what Paul's talking about in living a godly life. Do what Christians do. Simple as that. That's, that's what we should do in order to beat ourselves up. And the idea is we've got to know stuff and we've got to do stuff. And they've got to be together. Knowing and doing. It's not enough to know. It's not even enough to do if you're doing the wrong things, knowing and doing. Here's something that's really interesting to me. When I work with people and they come in and they're struggling, they're going through tough times, whether it's an individual, whether it's somebody who wants some professional help or personal help, mom, dad, husband, wife, whatever the case may be, I look at them because of the things that they're going through and I, and I try to encourage them and I try to say, look, you, you're good people. You can do this. You can figure this out. And one of the things that happens that I... That I, that I that I want to share with them and share with you is that a lot of times, a lot of times it's not that we're bad people, it's just that we're bad planners. It's not that we don't want to beat ourselves up and be what God wants us to be. It's not that at all. It's just that we're bad, we're bad planners. L let me explain it to you like this. So if you were to ask me, what's the number one problem in marriages today? Number one problem. Is it abuse? Is it addiction? Is it an affair? No. It's not. It, it's, really, it's really two things, and here they are. It's procrastination and unorganization. Procrastination and, again, maybe or maybe not a word, <laughs> unorganization. And it's this idea that when we see something happening in our relationships, when we see something happening in our marriages, we know that it's wrong, we know that it needs to be fixed, but we put it off, and something that starts out small can become huge because we've let it go so long. The unorganization part has to do with, hey, I need to call somebody to get some help. It's, 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 think about it in the sense of the, the, the physical sense where you feel like, hey, you know, my, my chest, 
I, I don't feel very good. Hey, I'm getting more headaches. I, I'm having, I, I seem to have a rash. And I got to call the doctor. I got to call the doctor. I got to call the doctor. And we put it off. Or if we, if, if we do, I'm going to call them tomorrow and we forget. We're unorganized. We don't write anything down. You see what I'm saying? It's not, it's not abuse. It's not addiction. It's not affairs. It's, it's this idea that procrastination and or unorganization is, is something that will take us down. And it's so important. Let, let me explain it like this. When my wife and I got married, we were juniors in college, and we got married during the spring break uh, of our junior year. When we got married, Mindy said to me, uh, we were talking about college and classes and studying and all that kind of stuff, and she said, hey, when is, when is your next test? And I said, I don't know. She said, well, do you have a paper due? Is there, you know, when, when's, your next, when's your next research paper due? I, I don't know. What about, what time is your first class tomorrow? <laughs> I don't know what that is either. Here, here was the problem, okay? I barely got to college. My grades barely got me into college. In fact, I was on probation. They were so bad. I got a little bit better once I got there. But when we got married, Mindy showed me something that I'll never forget, and it has changed my life. She, she went in to the bedroom, and she brought out a, an old Hallmark calendar. I, I don't know if it had puppies on it or cats on it or what was on the front, but she flipped it open, and she said, let me, let me just show you something. I said, what's that? She said, I take the syllabus from the class, and I, and I, and I write down when the tests are, and then I draw a line back for two weeks, and then I, and then I write down study for history tests, study for math tests, study for you know, whatever it might be. And if I have a paper, I do the same thing. And she began to teach me how to be organized. I wasn't an organized person. I procrastinated about a lot of stuff. I went from a person who barely got into college that by the time I graduated from graduate school, I was straight A's. Same guy, same brain, just organized and doing the things, training myself to be a better version of myself. You may ask the question, well, who do you start with? We know that question, right? That's what Paul says. He says, start with yourself. We're doing things for other people, pointing fingers at other people, maybe even helping, think, helping people. But the, but the fact of the matter is that's, that's all in vain if we don't get it right. So we know where to start, it, 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 or we know who to start with. And the next question is, well, where do we start? And I would just say, start with what you know. You don't necessarily need to know anything else. We have so much that we know that we're not doing. Start with, start with what you know. And the truth is, if, <laughs> if you're not sure, I guarantee the person sitting to your right or to your left could give you some tips could probably tell you, hey, I think you ought to start here. I, I, I think this is an issue for you. And by the way, if they do that and you get upset, here's my phone number, 727-209-7203. But I would encourage you, listen, listen. If you're not sure where to start, you're not sure what's going on, you're not sure where to take the first punch, listen to somebody else. Because maturity, maturity is doing something that someone told you to do that you need to do. Most of us, we don't want anybody to tell us what to do, but all of us need somebody to tell us our blind spots, need somebody to tell us where we're going off track. We need that, and maturity is really being able to listen to that. So let me give you a training plan just as we wrap things up. Uh, uh, hopefully this will help you. Uh, first of all, start small. Start small. It's okay to dream big, right? It's okay to have big dreams about the future, about your family. It's okay. But you got to start small. And, and the reason you start small, if you start too big, friction creates failure. And you'll get overwhelmed. Just like a motor without oil and too much heat, 
your mind, just like a motor, your mind, if it's too much, if there's a lot going on, if it's too big to start with, it'll cause failure. Start small. Start small. I, I want to I tell you that as a, as a runner, I'm always looking for hacks. I'm always looking for ways that I can get a little bit faster. And a couple years ago, my daughter and son-in-law told me about the Nike Zoom. And they began to read to me some of the reports. That, and, and, and what this shoe does is this shoe helps give you a couple more seconds. Or maybe I should say takes away a couple seconds on your time. This one thing, this one, well actually two things, <laughs> helps do that. It's just something small, but it's something very, very significant. I don't know exactly what they do, but all I know is that when I run in these shoes, it literally is like somebody down below that every time I step down, literally with all their might pushes me up. They are amazing. Not cheap. I didn't say, I didn't say cheap. I didn't say expensive. I said small. So do some things that will get you started. Second thing, second thing is start now. Start now. Again, the procrastination is the enemy of success. We've got to do some things, and we need to do them now. Some of us have waited too long, and you know what I'm talking about. There's things that are happening in your life, in your marriages, in your relationship with other people that have gotten worse, not because it couldn't be fixed, not because they couldn't be addressed, not because it was a mountain too big, but because you've waited, you've waited too long. The heaviest weight in the gym is the front door. I get it. That, that first step is the hardest step. I, I get it. But I want to encourage you. Remember, this isn't about willpower. This is about work power. It's about understanding where we go, what God wants for us. It's about the pace of running, and it's about training ourselves to be able to get there. And then finally, stay with it. Stay with it. Identity-based training. Remember we talked about the athlete and the Christian? You do things that athletes do. You do things that Christians do. And here's the good news about this. This is the way God has helped us to be able to help ourselves, if you will. Identity-based training creates identity-based habits. So your training will eventually turn into, into habits, into spiritual habits that will help you beat yourself up. Think about this. What you have to think about today... What you have to think about today, you will do without thinking about tomorrow. Okay? So in other words, start thinking about the things that you want to do, the, the, the areas that you need to beat yourself up in, start doing those things, and eventually you won't have to think about them. They will just come automatic, and that's part of the training, how important that is. Again, there's some resources on phillewis.org backslash fight that I want to encourage you. You can check those out. Now, here's what's really interesting. Again, Paul wrote 13 of the 27 books, letters of the New Testament. 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, Galatians, 1 Corinthians, and 2 Corinthians were written in 57 AD. The others were written. The very last book that he wrote was, the very last letter he wrote was to his friend Timothy to encourage him. And he wanted to encourage him by telling him, hey, I just want you to know it can be done. I did it. I did it. Look, look, look at what he tells him. For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. In other words, Paul knew that his death was imminent. And he's writing to Timothy, and he says to him, I fought the good fight. I have finished 
the race. And I have kept the faith. And that's what we want to be able to say, right? And the only reason that we'll be able to say that is if we, like he teaches us, like he taught 10 years before this was written, you can't just worry about other people. You can't just try to fix other people. You can't just focus on other people. Focus in the fight has to be on us as well. And if we do that, if we do that right, we'll be able to say, I fought the good fight, I've finished the race, and I've kept the faith. Basics to beating yourself up, if you will. Reason for doing this, the reason for doing all this work is because of the eternal value. The eternal value to us and the eternal value to our family, eternal value to the people that we come in contact with. The pace is running. For some of us today, we've got to pick up the pace. We've been putting off stuff. We've been, we've, we've been wasting time. We've been taking it easy. And Paul says, look, no, you, 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 you got to take this serious. You got to pick up the pace. You got to sense the urgency and how important this is. And then finally, it requires a training plan. You have to do the things that are going to help you to be the person God wants you to be. It won't happen automatically. It happens through, it happens through training. My encouragement to you today is that you would beat yourself up. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity to hear from your word and to understand that your power is our hope. Your power is our strength. Your power is the way that we do all of this stuff. And this passage that Paul is talking about is not something where we separate ourselves from you, but we we get closer and closer to you so that we can do the work that needs to be done on us. You have your part and we have our part. And according to the scripture, you tell us there are some areas in our lives that we need to knock out. There are some areas in our lives we need to fight to the death. There are some areas in our life that we need to beat ourselves up. And I pray that you would help us. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope you're leaving encouraged. I hope your spirit's refreshed and God's working in your life in a new way. And man, it's gonna be a great week ahead. I'm, I'm hoping that for you. I'm believing that for you. And so whatever you have in front of you, just remember what you learned today. Remember what God did and take that with you throughout the week. Because look, God doesn't stay here in this service. He's going with you everywhere you go. So let's get after it. Let's go into this week ahead. And, and, and by the way, if, if you have any questions from today's service, if you have any comments or prayer requests, if there's anything we can do to help you, uh, I want to encourage you to go to our website, fill out that, that form. You can even scan the QR code right here and, and just let us know how we can help, how we can serve you. We would love to be more of a part of your life. Love to help you get connected. And by the way, if you want to go to our website or our social media, there's other opportunities where you can learn more about church experience. You can learn how to be involved. But man, either way, we're just so happy that we get to be a part of your life. And I hope that this week, God is a part of everything that you do. Thanks again for joining us. See you next weekend.